0: Hello everybody, Panos Mavridi show, December 1st, beginning of the month. How are we doing, Pano? Doing great. Raven? Doing good. We uh, have an exciting week of hockey to wrap up for everybody. We have an exciting weekend look ahead. Um, we're going to do a little international hockey talk. We're going to touch around and get everybody ready for the games this weekend. Uh, we're going to break down a little trades. Um, should we get started in
1: Western Canada? I don't know. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, a big trade yesterday. Nikita Zadorov. Yeah. Um, a division rival, which was kind of weird. What were the picks? Do you know? It was a 2026 third round pick and a 2024 fifth. I
0: this, think. Is
1: this the beginning of the fire sale in Calgary? I mean, I said it on the last episode that I don't think they should trade anybody yet, but I mean, it's looking like it now if they're going to trade Zadorov that early. But uh, I also think this was kind of just like a rookie thing for Craig Conroy, too. Like he's a rookie GM and Zadorov requests a trade out in the first month of the season. Um, So he kind of just felt like obligated to, you know, move him as soon as possible to not like infect the locker room. I would have held on to him to the deadline because at the deadline, teams get more desperate and defensemen like Zadorov will go for like at minimum a second round pick and a prospect um but conroy kind of just panicked it looked like yeah there was
0: no salary retention in the deal to my knowledge so um i think um that is kind of why the price was what it was um i think a lot of a lot of people not to make this a leafs thing right off the hop but a lot of people thought it was going to be like a Tanev Zadorov, both of them, one of them. Um, there was that whole thing about the Leafs players telling Zadorov that he's exactly what they need. So I have seen a lot of people criticizing Brad for living for not making the deal right because they just put John Klingberg on LTIR, and um, I just think it wasn't going to be a salary retention kind of thing. I think they just wanted Zadorov off the books, and. Um, yeah, so they uh, Craig Conray just made the deal right off the hop. Um, I also, from a Leafs perspective, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll end it there. But I, I don't know that... I think Zadorov was brought up to be a lot more... We talked about that a little bit, too. Just, like, the fact that his name was bandied about. And I know the picks ended up being pretty low. Um, like, I, I would have assumed a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it that he might have gone for, like, a second-round pick. Or, you know, maybe even more. Because he scored... 16 goals a year ago and um it was looking pretty good but he's a
1: fifth defenseman don't you think well yeah but fifth defenseman can go for quite a bit at the deadline is what i'm saying um like that's why i said if i was connor i would have held on but also at the same time if we're gonna talk about toronto and calgary here i think chris tan is a better fit for toronto anyways if they're going for a guy who is you know they want to win a cup it's chris tan in my opinion um, and they are linked to him now. Since the trade, there's been reports that Chris Tanevan is linked to Toronto. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think this move makes Vancouver good, too, though, getting Zdorov, um to help their defense a little bit. They've been a little inconsistent. In their last 11 games are five and six. So, I mean, to add a guy like Zadorov will help them out for sure. Apparently, they're still in on Ethan Bear too. Um, not too sure why, if they've got all these defensemen, but... They are in on him still. Yeah, Ethan Bear had surgery. His
0: season was cut short a little bit last year, and he still is well, unsigned. It was during the
1: World Championship, actually. For, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um, but so he's unsigned. Vancouver has zero dollars in cap space right now, so um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna go about getting Ethan Bear
1: back, but the reports say that they are still interested in like talking to him. So,
0: yeah, anything would have to be a money in, money out kind of situation maybe I, I, i'm I, this is not based in any sort of anything besides speculation but like maybe they look to move on from tyler myers um because he carries a large cap it um maybe if they're trying to bring anything else in for the season um the canucks got space to make that deal uh, we can move on to the hawks but um they moved anthony Bovillier. The day before, I think right after we recorded um, on yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Um, what what were the picks in that? Was a third? No, it was a fifth. It Was a fifth? Yeah, it was a fifth. Um, I, th- I well, that move was likely made with this Zadorov move in mind, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So the Hawks obviously uh, terminated Corey Perry's contract, so they wanted another body in there. Uh, that wasn't Joey Anderson, I'm assuming, and who actually has been playing pretty well for them since being called up. But um, I think it's a good opportunity for Beauvillier to get a fresh start with a new team that is like well, I don't know. When you have Connor Bedard, you could put Beauvillier on his wing and he's pretty speedy and see what he could do.
1: What do you think about the Hawks panel? I think I was expecting something like that because like you said, they terminated Perry and also along with that Taylor Hall um, had the knee, the season ending knee surgery. So I was expecting something like that. And I think it's a trade that kind of helps both teams because for Vancouver, I mean, I know Bavillier probably had more value last season, um, but he hasn't fit well since going to Vancouver. He wasn't really doing anything. He was buried in the bottom six and he didn't really fit their team style. So I don't hate them moving him out, especially because they didn't have to retain anything. And then Chicago gets Bavillier, who, you know, if he does turn it around, he becomes a valuable asset for them. Because j- just remember a few years ago, even Bavillier was like a touted top six forward on New York, especially during those playoff runs. Um, so I don't hate it for Chicago either. I-, I think it was just kind of like a win-win type of trade. I think Andreas Athanasiou is still out for the Blackhawks, if
0: I'm not mistaken. So um, yeah, they're depleted all over and they're already not doing they're already not deep you know we know what the blackhawks are um we know what they're trying to accomplish we know they want a high pick again this year um i do yeah they want to be more competitive though than some of the showings that they've had and i think they want to surround bedard with a little bit of talent um he was also named rookie of the month this afternoon for the month of november um first hawks player or third hawks player to get it you said right
1: yeah, behind uh, Kubalik in 2020 and Patrick Kane in 2007.
0: Do you think he's really adjusted well to the? I, I know he's got the numbers and stuff, but they like a lot of the power play runs through him, and um, he, he's their top offensive option right now. So he's getting a lot of those looks and getting a lot of the touches that do end up hitting the back of the net. Not saying that he's like a secondary assist monster right now or something like that. But um, he is small and he is kind of taking some physicality from him too. And you can see he gets frustrated at times with things like the power play when it's not clicking. Um, what do you? How do you think his adjustment has been to the NHL?
1: I mean, he started off pretty slow. I mean, a lot of people were chirping me for even saying, like a few weeks ago, right before he kind of went off and started destroying the league how he has been. I said he hasn't been a top five rookie this season. And then right after that, he had like a three goal game or something like that. So that kind of backfired on me. So since then, I think he's done well in adjusting. Like you said, he is the best uh, number one option on Chicago. But at the same time, when you're the number one option, that means that you're getting number one looks like all the team's top guys are going to be guarding you. So there's that as well. Um, I think he's been fine, especially considering how bad Chicago has been. I think he's done good. Um, and he's easily the best rookie right now, in my opinion. I mean, you got guys like like Logan Cooley, honestly, has benefited more off the power play than Connor Bedard, in my opinion. And like you see Logan Cooley, like 85% of his points are off of the power play, right? So Bedard has been doing good on and off the power play, in my opinion. Yeah, I also
0: want to bring up on the Hawks uh Lucas Reichel's been turning it up as of late. He's got goals in quite a few of his games and Kevin Korczynski has looked really solid. Um there has been some chatter about do we send him to the World Juniors? And uh like we talked about the Shane Wright thing, um, who are we talking about that with? Was it Benson? Um, but uh there is like has there's been a little talk about do we send Krzyczynski back? I think that he's an nhler on the Hawks blue line. They he he skates so well, they use him in all situations, they play him all the time. He uh, quarterbacks a top power play. Um, I don't think Kevin
1: Korchinski is going anywhere. Um, I mean, as a Canadian, I say send Bedard and Korchinski and everybody. (laughs) Send them all to the World Juniors, in my opinion.
0: Canada is going to be able to field a good team even without those guys this year. Um, Is there a trade that you think, or, you know, again, we're we're not going to sit here and speculate a whole ton, but is there something that you're looking at moving on? or a player potentially moving, being the next off the board. You know, we've seen Bavillia move this week. We've seen Zadorov move yesterday. Um, what do you see potentially next happening?
1: Um, well, I mean, if Zadorov just got traded, I could see Chris Tanev being traded too. I know Chris Tanev hasn't requested a trade-out like Zadorov. Um, but Calgary traded one of their better defensemen and got nobody for now, you know? So that's why I'm saying like, I could see them start to sell, but at the same time, Calgary just won um, and they're, they're in a, I don't know if they're in a playoff spot or just barely out, but they're in the race. So um, I don't know about that, but uh, you kind of put me on the spot here too. So all I can think of is like Chris Tanev and like, uh, I don't think Lindholm or Hannafin get traded yet. I think they're more like a deadline trade if that happens. Yeah. Um.
0: Is there any, like, I don't know I'm throwing you on the spot, but, like, is there any, like, off-the-board kind of players maybe that you don't think maybe were in the forefront of our minds as far as players that could get moved? I I have heard, I, I know Kent Johnson was brought back up by Columbus. Um That's been kind of an interesting situation to watch play out. He ripped up the AHL in Cleveland after they sent him down. Um And now he's back up with the big club and... Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I am, you know, not to go back to the Leafs, but like Nick Robertson is, um, up with the big club and playing some big minutes with the, with the team. And I think that might be a bit of a showcase to see if a other team is interested in him. Um, you, you don't, you don't have anything else. You don't have the pulse on anything.
1: It's too early on the season yet for like a off the board in my opinion, cause all these teams are still trying to figure out if they're playoff teams or not. And all the teams that know they're not playoff teams right now are the teams that we already know have are that are trading assets, you know. Like we already know San Jose is gonna try and trade a lot of their guys. That's not really off the board. But a lot of these guys are like they're still in the race for the playoffs and they're still trying to figure out their team identity. So I can't I don't think there's any off the board yet. Ken Johnson, I could have seen, but now that he's called up, I don't think Columbus wants to trade him. Maybe he's frustrated with the team, but he's too young to like demand a trade out yet, you know. Do you think... I
0: mean, they need a center. Do you think it works out with him? Like, it should be fantastic there. If you develop it right and you surround them with the right wingers, um, there's no reason that Ken Johnson and Adam Fantilli shouldn't be your 1-2 center punch for the next 10 years in Columbus.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they develop those guys right, Columbus is a contender pretty soon, like in the next few years, because they've got Juracek, um, too, on the defense uh course and is a the guy they drafted um zach Wierenski is not old yet you know you got i know they got goudreau and line a are both struggling but those two guys too if you've got um Fantilli and ken johnson developed those two guys could get going too so columbus actually has like a really good future as long as they can keep these guys in ohio yeah.
0: Side point: Did you see that clip of David Yerichek's younger brother Adam, who's a for, he's a projected first round pick uh, for this upcoming draft? I think his, his he hasn't had a good start to his year so far, and he just got absolutely rocked in a in a Czech league game. Did you see that clip, Panos? I didn't, I didn't watch the clip, but I saw that it happened, and someone said it's mainly because of his size, right? Yeah, I mean, he also just he was coming down the middle of the ice and had his head down and. Uh, was just lit up like a Christmas tree and um, yeah he's ha- he's had a rough go of it I think a lot of people projected him to be even a little bit more dynamic than David and I think David is just going to play more into that prototypical new age NHL defenseman where um, I don't know that like everybody thought Adams numbers would be higher offensively and um, I-, I think David's going to be just like a good solid like forty point guy, right? Um, not to get too deep in on the Eurocheck brothers, but um, one of them's a highly touted prospect, and one of them's this draft, this upcoming draft, kind of interests me, right? Because you have we've talked a good amount about Macklin Celebrini, and I think he's going to be a worthy first overall draft pick. And Cole iserman too, at the top. And there are definitely some other players. I, I'm a really big Zane Preck guy over in Saginaw. Um, I think he's really good. Um, Artem Levshunov over at Michigan State is going to be a fantastic— like, I think he's um, got a much higher higher ceiling than even a Reinbacher type. Um, but I don't know that this draft has, like, those— real impact guys like a like the top three is not going to be what it looked like this year at all um like I don't even know if Macklin Celebrini steps right into the NHL next year I think he
1: probably does really but, oh I, I think Celebrini and also Cole Eichmann are two guys that are really good you know players and then like you said the I don't know how to pronounce the Belarusian defenders name Lev Shunov yeah, I like him too. Though he's good, um, so I think like obviously this draft isn't as good as the one we just had, like the one that had Connor fucking Bedard in it. But you know, there's it's still a good draft in my opinion compared to some of the other ones we've seen in the past few years. But I, maybe Celebrini doesn't step in. I don't really, I, I don't really see the need to always bring your top draft pick in the top five into the NHL right away.
0: Yeah, so if they are not knows, ready,
1: oh, why? Yeah. Yeah, if they're not ready, like there's only, I think, like I said before, I think Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid kind of lifted the standards for top-end picks to come in and just dominate right away, and that's just not usually the case with a lot of these guys. They usually take a bit.
0: So moving off the prospect talk, we'll we'll revisit the prospect talk, obviously, as the season moves along and we get closer to events like the draft and as uh, other leagues wrap up their season's Um, Sam Montembeau signs a three-year extension with the Montreal Canadiens. What do you got
1: on this one? Um, Well, I mean, it's a fair value deal. I just don't know if I would have signed it if I was Montreal when you've got, um, you know, his value's pretty high right now, I would assume, on the goaltending trade market for some teams that are looking for a goaltender, especially Edmonton, who's desperate for a goaltender right now. Um, but obviously, we don't know what Montreal is being offered. If it wasn't worth it, I'm fine with signing him. I know you're a little bit more of a hater. on I, <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know that
0: he is a needle mover for the Habs. I think Montreal is a team that really should be looking to improve themselves in scoring depth and really acquiring stars. Because you have Cole Caulfield and you have Nick Suzuki driving the bus, and then that's about it. Their defense is pretty suspect i know they have guys that are playing really good like Gouli and baron um but like you got to get some big hitters in there that's why i'm surprised they didn't you know not, we're not going back to the draft but the, i'm surprised they didn't go after mitchkov right with that pick um i'm not I, i'm not a big mitchkov guy i can't even lie we'll talk about him later but um i just i i think they need a star i think i i think they need a star i think if like William Nylander really went to free agency I don't know that it's totally off the board that they would try and go after a guy like that Um, but I don't I, like they're like a first overall pick away you know from even being there for me and um, but Teresa, if, you let,
1: if you let Montembeau walk what do you've got? you've got an old Jake Allen who's you know inconsistent old and then you've got Hayden Primo, who we've seen nothing of yet, really. he's He hasn't really shown anything yet. But then isn't the argument that none of them are the guy? None of them are the guy, but I'd rather a guy like Montembo who has proven he can be a tandem guy, um, whereas Allen is a tandem guy as well, but much older. And then Primo, in my opinion, I don't even know if he's an NHL backup. You know, you need to have goalies too. And especially with the, if the cap does end up going up, uh, even in the market now, Montembeau, whatever he got signed for, I think it was three point one five, per is is a fine deal in my opinion. No,
0: I, I agree. I, I just i i think i think it's a fair deal for a goaltender of his statistics and his caliber. I just i don't know what direction really the Habs are going in, and um, you you just want to see some improvement. I guess it. it we got to figure out if it's going to be more through the draft. I don't know what, exactly what their draft capital is Um, coming
1: up. I can do a little, I can do a little digging while I'm, I think it's going to be more of like a free agency or trade thing for Montreal at this point. I think they've drafted the guys they have. Maybe they do one more draft year now since they are pretty bad this year. But I think Montreal wants to start winning games. I don't think they expect to be a playoff team right off the bat, but I think they want to start being more competitive and I think they can be, but they do have to make some roster adjustments. Um, You know, like, is Arbor Jackai going to be on your defensive core if you're trying to win games more? I I don't know if he would be. As much as it is fun to watch Arbor Jackai just beat the snot out of people every night, I don't know if that's a guy you want on your defensive core if you're trying to win games. So Montreal's probably going to have to tweak their roster this upcoming offseason if they want to be a good competitive team. Uh, But I don't think the problem is Montembo. I think that they just have to make some the right trades. Yeah, so I did find the Habs
0: uh picks. They have their first this year, they have two second round picks, two third, two a fourth, and two fifth. Next year they have two firsts, they have theirs in Calgary's. They have um two seconds, theirs in Pittsburgh's, they have two thirds, they have two fourths and a fifth. So they you know, they, they do have quite a bit of draft capital. Um they have been the team that goes after These players, I think it's a big loss that Kirby Doc too for them is um, out for the year, and um, you know the Hawks pick Kirby third, and he uh, really could be an impact. Like he could be one of those players I'm talking about, right? Where he is just like a really electric guy and a star, and putting up good points for them that can and he can score off and and create well for others and create room for others. Um, But you know, they made some of those other moves. Like, they tried to do the same thing, but with Alex Newhook. Um, I think that's, like, a lower end. I, I guess, personally, uh, wanting to see maybe some more trades in the NHL. Um, wouldn't it be cool if they went and got Trevor Zegers?
1: That would be cool. I just don't think Trevor Zegers is available yet. But
0: you know, you know, You know he only has two points on the season, right? Yeah, I know. He's hurt, though, right now
1: as well. Is he out of the lineup? Yeah, he's hurt. I don't know. He he does. Even in the 12 games that he's played, he has one goal, two points. Yeah. He he apparently, like, based off of what Ducks fans have told me um, and also the analytics, he has improved his defensive game, which is not something you really associate Trevor Zegers with, his defensive game. But he has improved that. But his offense has obviously taken a massive hit, right? For a guy who's used to be pure offense, only having one goal, two points in 12 games or whatever it is. Why do you think that is? um maybe the fact that um the contract talks took so long into the off se- or into the season too like they even came into training camp i believe right yeah he missed training camp yeah so there's that um you know probably some hostility between him and, and uh pat verbeek and anaheim you know if it takes that long for you to get signed after the season he had i would be pretty annoyed too if i was trevor zegris um and also just like i said like um his def- maybe he's focused more on his offensive game. I mean, he got benched pretty early on in the season by Greg Cronin. Yeah. Because of a bad defensive effort or whatever. So, maybe he's trying to fix that part of his game up and it's just going to take some time to balance it out between offense and defense.
0: The Ducks have lost 8 in a row, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's they're bad right now. They next take on uh Colorado Saturday night. They host uh the Avalanche on Saturday night and um that's gonna be another tough one for them. Um
1: they probably are gonna lose that one as well, to be honest. Like Anaheim has just been bad and it's disappointing as a guy who, you know, I like Anaheim. I was hoping they would have a solid season this year, and they've just been really, really bad since their little start to the year. Are we gonna start to hear John Gibson's name again? I think so. But also at the same time, like Lucas Dostel hasn't been good either. He's been worse than John Gibson. And if they trade John Gibson, he's the guy who's supposed to take over in Anaheim. But does he look ready to take over right now? No. He had a really good start to the year. Again, he was probably the best rookie goaltender for the first, like, four games, five games of the season. I was like, okay, this is maybe his start to getting in the lineup for Anaheim more. And now he's, like, below 900, I think, right? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, transitioning to another team that's struggling uh, a team that we were both surprised to find out is languishing at the bottom of the NHL standings right now, the Ottawa Senators um, they have the fewest games played in the NHL by quite a bit, a lot of these a lot of the teams are at like 22, 23 even 24, some of them uh, looking at UCBJ and Tampa Bay, um, but the Senators have only played 17 games um, there is clearly frustration in Ottawa, uh, there are have been calls for DJ Smith and his job. Um, the fans have been booing the team. Brady Kachuk told them to stop that. Um, they had quite a feisty game against the Florida Panthers the other night in the battle of the Kachuk brothers that saw just everybody off the ice. And um, wh- wh- what's the state of the Senators? What are your, where, where are you taking stock of the Senators at this point in the season? Is this really what we should have expected going into the
1: year or not. Well, I just don't know how DJ Smith hasn't been fired yet. You know, like how, what else do you need to see from him um, to fire him? I mean, let me check this right here. Let me search this up real quick because I saw a big Senator's page, everyday sends. They said this stat that kind of took me by surprise of like how much leeway they've given DJ Smith. All right. So Dean Evison. Got fired by Minnesota, all right? He got hired on February 14th, 2020, and he had a record of 142 wins, 77 losses, 27 overtime losses. He qualified for the playoffs every single year, and he was still fired by Minnesota this year. DJ Smith has been Ottawa's coach since May of 2019. He has 128 wins, 147 losses, 32 overtime losses, and has never made it to the playoffs. So if Minnesota fired DJ Smith and they're in a less hockey market than Ottawa, Minnesota's a big hockey market too, for America, but Ottawa, you know, it's hockey crazy. It's Canada, it's Ontario. How is Dean Everson getting fired when he had that good of a record? He had more wins and one year less of being the coach than DJ Smith has in Ottawa. And DJ Smith is still here. And it looks like he's not going anywhere yet. I mean, I hope I'm wrong for Ottawa's sake because they need a, they need a change.
0: Do you think it's a, it's a player's thing? Like the players are like they're trying to make it not more on the guys, right? But they're like Brady Kachuk is a very much of a the type of captain where he's we're really wearing the responsibility of the losing and the poor start. And he takes a lot off of DJ. Um, is, is it like they're maybe hoping the players kick it into gear or
1: I think mean, I think the players are just too comfortable in Ottawa right now, really? Like they just because it's just a young core, they know that a lot of them aren't going anywhere because they've already been locked up to these long, big deals and they're all young in Ottawa. So they're like, they're kind of just comfortable where they are right now. That's why I think if you fire DJ Smith, that kind of forces their hand to like be like, shit, maybe we're not as comfortable as we thought we were. Like, I want to see more from guys like anyone in their lineup, honestly. Like all their guys, like they're good players, obviously. They have a lot of good players. I love Brady Kachuk. I'm a big Brady Kachuk fan. I think he's an amazing captain. I love Tim Stutzla. Uh, big Jacob Chitren fan, all those guys, but the entire team just like is so inconsistent. Like it's one night you could get a really good Ottawa Senators team. And then the next night you could get a really bad Ottawa Senators team. And I think that's partly due to DJ Smith as much as the players don't want to say it.
0: We shall see. They are in Columbus tonight, and then they host Seattle tomorrow. So
1: those they are... should win both of those. Like, that's they should win. Even if Seattle's a back-to-back game, they should win both of those pretty easily, in my opinion.
0: I agree. We shall see. Um, so we'll wrap up the NHL talk here for the night with maybe the highlight of Thursday evening, which was Tristan Jari scoring the empty netter in Tampa Bay. Uh, sealing a 4-2 win for the Penguins that they really needed and actually wrestled from the jaws of defeat after being down 2 zip to a Tampa Bay team that even though uh, they lost to Colorado pretty soundly when they went for that visit, uh, they've been playing a lot better since the return of Andre Vasilevsky.
1: So um, wh- what do you got on Tristan Pano I mean, when Pittsburgh was down 2 nothing in the second period, it was, I believe, I sprinkled a little bit of a bet on a Pittsburgh money line, really? and it ended up, yeah, so that was good. I think it was like plus 400 when they were down 2-0, so that was pretty cool. Um, And then, yeah, Tristan Jari, I mean, I've been a big critic of Tristan Jari for the last few years, mainly because I used to be a Penguins fan growing up, and uh, my final year of really following the Penguins fully, Tristan Jari ended up selling their season away in the 56 game season where he passed the puck up center ice in the playoffs against the Islanders in that overtime game. So I've been a critic of him, but this season he's been one of the best goalies in the league. And then he goes and scores a goal, which is really sick. I mean, I told you this before we started recording too, Nadalkovich and Tristan Jari with a combined four professional hockey league goals. That's insane for goalies uh, and they're a tandem in Pittsburgh. So probably the best goal scoring tandem in the league. Yeah,
0: Nidel was really excited for Jari. You could tell on the from the bench reaction and uh that was a really cool moment. I uh, the first one in Penguins history, too. So Yeah. Um Pittsburgh,
1: Pittsburgh Penguins Pittsburgh history, Penguins history. Wil- Wilkes-Barre has three.
0: Yeah, they do. Um the Penguins currently sitting six from the bottom in the conference. Um or six in the wildcard race, I guess, is how the NHL likes to uh, list this out right now. Um, they're eleven ten and one. I think it's so tight right now. They have a an important game uh, against the Flyers tomorrow on Saturday night, actually. And um, we'll we'll see what the we'll see what that matchup brings. I don't know if it actually has the same. Who would you say the Penguins' biggest rival is? Would you say it's still the Flyers? Like, do you think those games still generate that same buzz that they used to?
1: I don't even know if they have really a big rival right now just because Philadelphia has been bad for a while now. I know they're good this season, but um maybe the Rangers just because of that playoff series uh two years ago, two seasons ago. Yeah. Where the Rangers came back from three one. Penguins fans hate Jacob Truba. Um and Igor Shishurkin. So
0: what are your summer what are some of your favorite rivalries in the NHL right now? Or what do you right now? Or yeah, or what are some rivalries that you see that you know maybe have taken form? Newer ones, ones that are old that have uh, really been tough over the last few years. Because like you know some of these ones, like Toronto Montreal, I don't think it's not what it was. You know, it's not really like I think they get up for it. But honestly, I think the Leafs get up more for the Sens these days. Like I think the Battle of Ontario is more of
1: kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, L.A. Edmonton the last few years. That has been always a really fun one to watch because those teams and fan bases just despise each other. A lot of history. Yeah. Um, for all time, for all time rivalries though, my favorite will always probably be Boston and Montreal. Like, just I always remember back to that uh, playoff series where. Dale Weiss and Milan Lucci just wanted to actually kill each other. Like, that was just such a fun series to watch. They used to hate each other, Boston and Montreal.
0: Yeah, and there was a pretty memorable uh, Boston-Montreal game earlier this season where the, the Habs beat them for, like, the first oh. time in a while Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was—you uh, you can tell that they still get up for those. Um, I was listening to Jeff Merrick pose a similar question about this, and his answer—do you know what his answer was? What? It was Anaheim, Arizona as the best that rivalry. Actually,
1: that actually, it's not the best rivalry, but that actually is an underrated rivalry. Like, those teams also hate each other. They hate each other. Yeah. It was even better back when Arizona had Antoine Roussel and Anaheim had Nick Delorier, too. Like, they actually despise each other back then.
0: But even the guys on the team now, like Liam O'Brien and um, they brought in Ross Johnson in and Anaheim, and they know yeah, that. Yeah. Don't,
1: don't forget, uh, Troy Stetcher and Trevor egress too last season. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a thing.
0: All right. So we'll wrap up the NHL talk for tonight. Uh we got two games on tap senators and Blue Jackets and San Jose Devils, then there's thirteen games on tap for Saturday, five on Sunday. So Panos has a busy weekend ahead of him. Um should be some good games. Are you looking out for anything in particular this weekend?
1: I haven't looked ahead to the weekend games even yet, to be honest. But tonight's games are both kind of snoozers, I can't lie. Yeah, kind of a quiet Friday in the NHL yeah, with the that's with how it usually games. is
0: on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's good. We'll move on. We uh we are obviously like we've mentioned, we're trying to bring light to different international hockey topics, uh things going on in other leagues around the world with other national teams. Um, obviously Panos and I are uh, closely related to uh, the situation with Greece and trying to get them up and running again um, to the full capacity that we believe they can so um, we are obviously trying to always bring attention to the way people are trying to use hockey and grow hockey around the globe Um, that being said the development cup got announced and that is a tournament that the IIHF puts on for a lot of these uh associate member nations basically countries that don't get to play in olympic qualifiers because they don't have a rank in their country and some other qualifications um what do we got finals? they don't have an olympic
1: they don't have an olympic sized rank in their country all these countries do have ranks in their countries other than i think Colombia. um but they like they don't have olympic size rinks so, um, yeah, we in this one, uh, there will be seven teams in this one compared to five last year. Um, Liechtenstein, Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, Greece, Ireland, and Portugal are all going to be fighting in it. Um, so that'll be cool, it'll be fun, uh, for these you know, not hockey known countries. Like, if i whenever you know, you hear someone say Brazil, Colombia, you're probably thinking soccer, you're not thinking hockey so that'll be fun to see um but yeah it's the first time greece will be icing a national team since 2013 so
0: yeah it's really exciting um it'll be cool to see how um these countries stack up against each other and we know it means a lot to the the teams that do get to play um so we're gonna be we're gonna be closely following that especially as it comes up at the end of april um switching over uh we are also you know we, we have a tie to this situation too uh the chinese national team you want to break it down for us a little bit panos
1: yeah so a russian um a russian news source reported that the chinese national team is exiting out of the channel cup right the channel one that. cup yeah the channel one cup and also they're the reason for doing that is because they're basically changing around their entire national team and they're getting rid of the uh, the players that were all imports from the last few years that were playing on their team. So all the guys like uh, Jake Chelios, Brandon, um, yep. Brandon Yip, uh, the Foo brothers, I believe, will also be out. So all those guys who got their citizenships to play for the Olympics are no longer going to have those citizenships. Um, actually, I don't know if they're taking away the citizenships or if they're just like the eligibility to play for the national team.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I don't know if it's exactly uh, because Kunlun has been playing out of Russia, too, since the yeah. pandemic. They haven't been playing out of China. So I don't know if that's like a kind of thing where the naturalization part of uh, uh, living in the country, right? They're not actually living there anymore. They're living in Russia, playing for the Chinese uh, team in the KHL. So it might have something to do with that. But the Chinese team is going to look a lot different. So they did pull out of the Channel One Cup so um
1: they are still playing in the olympic games qualifiers though and they also are playing in the division 1b world championships so those are both going to be interesting to see how they do with a whole new roster uh playing against like they're matched up against some pretty good countries just because of the fact that they've had those guys for so long now helping them develop um so it'll be interesting
0: yeah a friend of ours um is head coach for the team too so we'll be uh just cheering them on and yeah. watching them. So happy to see that they're, that they, you know, they brought in a good coach. They brought in a good yeah. coach. So they were replaced in the channel one cup. And this is the Matt V.A. mitchkov subject that we can bring up earlier. I know you said you're not a big fan. I think he's a really, I think he's one of the better prospects outside the NHL right now. I think the flyers hit a home run with this kid and he's going to come in and be a, a bully for the flyers in a short amount of time. Um, So it is pretty known in Russia that Matt Michkov wants to come to the NHL and I think come to the NHL sooner than the contract extension he had signed originally that was to keep him there. I think it was through 25-26. Because of that, he is... I, we know how it goes with some of the players over there That once they express a desire to leave for North America That they won't get opportunities Either on their KHL teams as far as minutes go Or uh, national team opportunities So um, Matt Michkov has been cut from the Team Russia For the Channel 1 Cup And the team that replaced the China team we mentioned earlier Is going to be a team of VHL All-Stars and Matt Viamichkov is on the team for that he's on the roster for that now um do you
1: have any thoughts there Pano um I, I think it sucks because I would love to see Matt Mitchkov on the Russian national team I think he deserves to be there considering there's not going to be any NHLers on that team obviously um but like I said earlier I'm not a big fan of Matt Viamichkov just because I think he's a little arrogant you know like a lot of the stuff that happened around the draft where you it's there was reports that like he basically forced his way to philadelphia um through his draft interviews i think like if you're a player in the draft you go where you get drafted you don't strategically place your way to where to go especially like him like before the draft who's projected to be a top pick if you just exclude the russia fact right he was supposed to be like a top three pick everyone was putting him as a lock behind bedard um And then, you know, he finds a way to fall all the way down to Philly, I think, at like seventh overall, was it? Yeah. So, I mean, I I just don't like that uh, based off of the reports. And I also, you know, he's been doing great in the KHL, but uh, I just think like players like that are pretty hard to work with in the NHL.
0: Roman Rottenberg is the name of the coach that uh, Mitchkov is having this disagreement with and that cut him. And the other two teams in the Channel One Cup, just so everybody knows, are Belarus and Kazakhstan. So that uh, kind of kicks off part of the international hockey calendar. I'm also seeing here David Krejci has announced he will not play for Czechia at the World Championships. So he is officially retired. Retired. Um, I think we already knew that, but... Um, Maybe there was a possibility that he was going to return for.
1: He originally retired from the NHL. He was still going to apparently maybe sign in check to play one more year for the national team. But I guess he decided against that.
0: Um, The PWHL. Are you paying attention to this at all? Oh, the season hasn't started yet, but I saw they
1: released uh, schedules.
0: Yeah, so they they did release their schedules here. Um, I'm trying to find it here now. Uh, the season kicks off 1-1 with uh, New York at Toronto. Um, I, w- I want to go to a game at some point this year. I don't know which city I- I'm going to try and make it in. I had heard that they were going to try and um, bounce some of these games around, like not just play in the cities that they were, like that the teams play out of, right? Like they were going to maybe yeah. try and do some games in Pittsburgh and do some games in Chicago or do something, right? Like, um it doesn't appear that there are any games like that on the schedule so far um they also are making cuts uh for from teams now um friend of mine is trying out for pwhl ottawa she survived the first round of cuts so we're hoping she makes a team out there um some big names actually samantha ridge wall a lot of goaltenders you know with a six team league like this and i'll let you jump in with some thoughts here too but just like with a 6 team league like this there's only 12 goalie spots right so yeah. maybe maybe 18 if you're carrying a third goalie but that, like it's hard and you know like so you think the national team women get spots right off like the, they're guaranteed the spots right um, like yeah. that that class of goaltender but if you're a goaltender in the NCAA right now, because we know all of these women go to the NCAA to play, there's no major junior setup situation for them. Um, and, and they go and they get a free education because why wouldn't you? Um, they like It's hard to break it in, in as a goaltender. Like We were talking a bit earlier about a show we might be trying to add. And it's, it's very hard for – like you can post elite numbers in the NCAA as a goaltender – Um, and not be in cut to that same cloth of like being one of the 12 best in the whole entire world at your position. Right.
1: Yeah. And even like, I've thought of this recently as well, even like not even in women's hockey, just goaltending in general, there's only two goalie spots on most rosters around the world. So like when you see a guy in the A in the ECHL as a forward, they're usually like actually supposed to be in the ECHL, but as a goalie, there's a lot of good goalies that play ECHL hockey just because of the fact that, there's not many spots available above that so um, that's just a thought i've had recently as well which is funny you brought that up it's just like there's so little spots for goalies that it makes it that much harder to actually make it to the highest levels
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um so we'll, we'll see about this this league in ottawa or in uh well in ottawa and in toronto and in montreal and boston and new york and minnesota and uh, we'll see We'll see who makes the final cuts for these teams. I'm excited for this league, actually. I'm really excited to see, the like, finally the best product on the ice of all these women's players. I know a lot of really good hockey players are going to be out of a job, but I think this league is going to not stick at six teams for very long either. So that will just create more jobs and more opportunities. And the more we can even do our part and give uh, – this league exposure um that's just gonna help them right yeah all right anything else for the weekend are you doing anything exciting this weekend panel
1: um no other than suiting up for some hockey yeah 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 Yeah. um i'm
0: gonna be watching a good amount of hockey this weekend i think there's gonna be some good games especially saturday we got bruins uh leafs too see if joe wall gets his fourth straight start um But yeah, other than that, I think we're ready to wrap it up for the weekend.
1: Yeah. All right. It's a good episode, and uh, we'll be back for next week. See everybody on the other side. Goodbye, everyone.